0: Hello, and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And if you are a father who is ready to add another tool to your fathering toolbox, then you've come to the right place. And even though you know that I specialize in the dad-daughter relationship, you know that these tools also work with your sons. The reason for that is because it's all about you as a father becoming more equipped so that you can intentionally and consistently pursue the hearts of your daughters and your sons. Well, I'm sure you have this down by now, but just to review the template that I use every week, it's on your mark, get set, go. I want you to envision yourselves, dads standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines as your coach, cheering you on and saying on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme Get Set is filling that in with stories and stats, and Go is always your one practical action step so that you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, today I have a guest coach joining me, and due to the what I'm calling the vulnerable nature of this interview, I will be introducing my friend only by his first name. And it is with deep gratitude that I wanna thank you, Mike, for coming here today to share your honest reflections as a father of a daughter who paid the price for some unwise decisions that you made a few years ago. And as you and I have prepared for this interview, you've been writing down some of your thoughts, and I was particularly impacted when you described this process as, and here's your quote, actually therapeutic, even though I had to pause a few times as tears started to take over me which really underscores the gift that you are giving us today with your disclosure. So to those listening, I trust that Mike's honesty will lead you to do the same about the things you've possibly buried away and tried to ignore in your past. So Mike is married. He's a father to one son and one daughter. He's a sales manager here in Portland, Oregon, and he's also been in the ABBA project, which is the group that I lead here in Portland, Oregon for dads with daughters in their teens and 20s. So I just want to thank you, Mike, for coming today, for having courage and sharing your story with us. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Looking forward to chatting and talking about what I've gone through, and hopefully it'll help some listeners as well.
0: There you go. Well, on your mark today, the title is How One Dad Made Things Right With His Daughter After an Affair. Hence, now everyone knows why I'm describing this as Vulnerable. So now for the get set portion, I would love, Mike, if we could just start by telling the story that this all went back to when I ran into you randomly in a grocery store a few months ago, there we were standing in the produce section, and you just unpacked something that had just happened a few days earlier. How about if you just start there? Tell everyone the story.
1: Okay, sure. So I, had, uh, I was at the house, and I had gone into our bonus room where we have some workout gear, and I wanted to go get in a little workout. And- it happens on the wall in our bonus room. We have some pictures displayed of the kids, kind of their K through 12 composite school pictures, which I always like looking at them, and it yeah. always makes me smile. You know, have the the self inflicted haircuts and the recent Tooth Fairy <laughs> visits through the years. But today was a little different, and and as I looked at my daughter's sweet little middle school face, I just started to break down. Tears just started pouring down my face, and I was reminded how selfish I was during those impressionable years of hers. Yeah. I recall the self-absorbed focus that I had with having this affair and trying to tell myself, hey, being happy was really what I deserved and I really, really, what, I really wasn't taking into account um, how it was uh, affecting others.
0: Yeah, good point. You were, you were now in, in this time, in this space, looking back, weren't you, with different awareness of what your daughter was going through back in middle school. Okay. So let's pick up the story now for people where, where they understand a little bit more of what we're calling the backstory to even Mm -hmm. what those middle school years were like for her that you're describing as a selfish time in your life.
1: Yeah, sure. So once I was found out, um, my wife and I made a decision to, that I was going to move out and, you know, certainly trying to, to reconcile and save. Um, but, um, so we, so I'm, I'll take you back to the day that this happened.
0: Meaning found out, meaning about the affair. Correct. Okay. Correct.
1: Yeah, good call. And so the day I moved out, um, the, my kids were with me and we were unloading a U-Haul into my new apartment. And what I remember about that day was just my daughter's demeanor as she was helping carrying items from the truck. She had a smile on her face as like, hey, this is cool. We can have sleepovers with dad. But really, what I saw in her eyes was just the sadness of her trying to be strong and and just not really knowing what was going on. Mm. And it was affecting both kids' lives and and I just I, it really kind of had me kind of step back a little bit, but the kids were being changed. They had no control over the situation, and um, I would continue to try to justify. Um, you know, how right I was in, in this whole craziness.
0: Right. Even though you watched what was going on in their faces, you were trying to push that away. Yep, for sure. And so because you're saying that your daughter's eyes told you that it was a really sad day for her, did you just choose to ignore that at the time? Or was it more not admitting to yourself that she was hurting because of you or what?
1: Well, I think I didn't want to rock the boat that day. Somehow I figured if we didn't talk about it, then the conversation couldn't go sideways. And I'm sure I wouldn't have said the right thing anyway. So I was still trying to navigate my path as uh, you know, kind of a don't ask, don't tell type of thing. But Mm -hmm. I felt like my life was unraveling and I didn't want anyone to know, especially my kids.
0: Yeah, especially your kids. Okay, so earlier you mentioned that you had a selfish or you called it a self-absorbed focus. Can you just say more about that because that takes a lot of courage to call yourself on something that I don't know many men would admit to.
1: Sure, sure. So I guess if I think back over the course of my life, I would say I've always been a pretty selfish person. And when I was spending time with that other woman, nothing was really going to stop me from doing that because that's what I wanted to do. I don't like to use my my childhood upbringing as an excuse for my behavior. But, but I'm sure it played a part um, with my selfishness and, and needing so badly to be in control of me. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home where taking care of myself was really the norm. Uh, it was as normal as brushing your teeth. Mm. Um, having a stepdad who liked to drink a lot and whoever was the closest, despite um, really the circumstances, um, you know, I would be the one that often we would be the one in his target to get hit or You know, the local police would show up at the front door in the middle of the night or, um, you know, this just ended up being common occurrences. Mm. And it took place from the age of about five till about 18 when I moved out and and never looked back. Um, But I certainly had to figure out how to protect myself and be careful of who I trusted. Um, The good part um, of that was that same thing. I, I really got good at it. Um, But the biggest downfall was that it didn't really prepare me to be a good husband and a father. I was more worried about myself, and this was my justification on what I would do which was best for Mike. I I didn't say all that to downplay or excuse my selfishness. I say it because it's a real part of of my life and and how it's played out.
0: Wow. I I truly just, from my heart to yours, Mike, I want to thank you for your transparency because you are so right. I agree with you that you're growing up, you're set the foundation, Right. For how you do life, how you do relationships, what you saw modeled or not modeled, and what a father looks like. I guess it was all modeled, but what not to do, I should say. Yeah. And yet, here you were self-protecting from the time you were a little kid and even then doing it here a few years ago with your daughter, unbeknownst to you. You weren't doing it consciously, right? But there it was being lived out in how you parented your daughter and your son, so what would you say now, when you think back to just admitting that you were selfish, what, it, what would you say about that now, even more?
1: Well, I, I would say that I, I had no clue on how my selfishness was going to send me on this journey. Um, I would never wish that on any parent, and, and uh, you know more on that in a, in a moment where I'll, I'll kind of highlight a few things. But once my unfaithful actions were discovered, the decision was made, as I mentioned earlier, to move out, find an apartment, and really, it continued to justify my selfishness selfishness by, by trying to spend happiness to my kids and, again, help me moving into this uh, really cool apartment, I say sarcastically, uh, to my mm. one little one-bedroom um, dwelling. Um, but little did I know um, the damage that was going on with my daughter, and her life was just being shattered in what I would call really in front of my blind eyes.
0: Yeah, here she's 11 years old. Yeah, and again, we're going back to where you saw her picture, her school picture on the wall a few months ago and just broke down because now you're looking at those, those little eyes from a different vantage point of saying, yeah. I was selfish, that impacted her. I'm not excusing it, you said. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm, I'm feeling it. And I think that's what I so love about your story here, Mike, and which is why I wanted you to tell it, because you're saying, I wish I knew then what I know now. And so any dads who even right now are perhaps contemplating an affair are in the middle of an affair. You're saying, look into your daughter's eyes, look into your son's eyes and get out of your own way. Do it different. Totally, Don't inflict this on them. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the dad whisperer talking to my friend, Mike. And the title of today's show is how one dad made things right with his daughter after an affair. So let me ask you this, Mike. Now with 2020 hindsight, what do you understand about yourself and the things that were going on in you at the time that even led you in the first place to have an affair?
1: Yeah. Well, well, I think selfishness certainly uh, took over here where no one was going to keep me from justifying my behavior. Um, and, and I would you know, say to myself, no one will ever know. Or a lot of people divorce. Um, I'm doing what my dad did to us, but but I will never be an absentee dad more and more justifications and excuses. And mm. I would say throughout my life, especially from about middle school on, even during some the childhood chaos of abuse, I managed to be shown favor either with getting a job I wanted or driving the car that I wanted or being in the right circle of friends. I, I, everything seemed to work out. So, so why would this be any different? I would, it would almost be like what I would call uh, premeditated sin it would be uh, you know God's always looked out for me he'll do it again um, no one's gonna find out and I was taking care of myself which was I was really good at and and uh, I, I thought it would go on and never really worried about the consequences
0: mm, that makes sense. so now again 2020 hindsight looking back what impact did your moving out of the house and all that went on with it have on your relationship with your daughter at the time so not just on her but on your relationship.
1: Well th- this this was a tough part really because as I look over those next couple years uh, you know after I moved out and the distance between myself and my daughter and son for that matter was really evident I saw this broken woman I was responsible for in creating with their mom um, which led to this indifference they showed me and and uh, how I was you know living this double life of expressing my wish to reconcile with their mom but they knew my words were empty because my reflections are because my actions reflected that as well.
0: And I'm guessing your kids didn't know about the affair.
1: Um, they they knew a little bit about it, um, but they, they knew didn't there know was another one. The ex- they knew there was there was okay. someone else. They
0: yeah. did know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Keep going. Then what happened?
1: Well, so a couple of years later, um, as my wife and I tried to put things together and build our relationship again. It became evident that now our sixteen year old daughter um, was making some horrible choices to mask her pain, which included um, huge distancing herself from me, not to mention always making sure that uh, she knew how she felt about me and and, uh, what and that I
0: everyone was, else knew.
1: <laughs> that everyone else knew too. and 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 that was hard because the once um, once labeled hero that I was um certainly wasn't um, you know the case anymore. And so, and and she was heading down a path of some very, very um, severe self-destruction. It was at that point where we knew we had to do something and we had to do it fast. Um, We made the seemingly unfathomable decision to send her to a boarding school in the middle of nowhere, Montana, Mm. in hopes that, um, uh, you know, we could, we could help save something and that uh, she wouldn't be walking out the door for the last time and never see her again. Um, I recall the day that we hired a transport service because um, we had to do that because she was what we they call a runner where um, we couldn't really you know put her on her plane or do anything too mm-hmm. more convenient but we hired this transport service and I'll tell you the day the uh, transporter drove away with our daughter in the back seat was the most unbelievable excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life I we watched him drive out of the driveway. I, it was almost like a movie. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I just fell to the floor. I was so overstricken with this heart-wrenching sob. Um, and, and I could wonder, how did our lives end up in this place? Mm-hmm. It was it was a brutal day.
0: Yeah. And I knew you then. And you've told me that story. And I remember you saying that is I was on her bedroom floor in her room, just undone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike, honestly, I cannot begin, though, to understand what you felt that day. You know, your heart was just breaking for your daughter. So did you ever think of any of that happening as like punishment for your actions, or did that seem unrelated?
1: Well, for the longest time, I would say I was the poster child for guilt, shame, embarrassment, um, and anything else that represented failure as a dad. Even when our boarding school counselors and therapists would would claim that the actions were and choices were they were never explained and, and but it didn't make me feel any less adequate of a parent. Um, dad, husband, I mean, y- you name it. I, 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 I struggled with all of it. Mm. Um, but it was all the, I, you know, that premeditated sin that I had mentioned. I committed in my life. I think it caught up to me. That's how I was thinking about it in my head. And hmm. and nothing could be done to save me from feeling any different than, yeah. than, than what I just described.
0: So, Okay, so now you're telling the story. Your daughter goes off to residential treatment. She's there for 20 months, okay, almost two years of her high school journey. And I know that her therapy required that you also enter into a lot of hard conversations with her. Some of them remotely, some of them you were there in person. If you'd be okay sharing some of what those conversations sounded like,
1: I'd love to hear them. Sure, sure. So, I mean, this could have been the hardest part of the entire journey. I mean, no dad wants to admit that, they're, to their, that you failed, them, failed your child, and, and that, was, that was really hard to take and hard to swallow. But I, I recall the day I admitted to her uh, that I let her down that I didn't hold up my end of the bargain in prioritizing her and her safety. I went on to say that my selfishness was more important than our family, Um, but an equally hard part was when she got her turn to talk to where um, she didn't pull any punches either. She let me have it. She confirmed that she lost all of her trust in me, how I wasn't her hero anymore, how she never wanted a relationship with me, Um, and I sat there and took it. Wow. Um, I encouraged her not to hold back and and she didn't. Um <laughs> one of the few times she listened to me, I think, and <laughs> during that time.
0: Uh, there's a reframe, that's the uh-huh. way to look at it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she needed to be heard and she didn't need my excuses. Um, I leaned in and nodded acceptance and took ownership. Um, I love to say it was that easy, but it wasn't. Uh this dialogue happened often, and my attitude towards it stayed steadfast. I wasn't going anywhere. And I was prepared to take the venom as long as it took um, and as much as she wanted to give me.
0: Wow. Honestly, I hope dads listening or hearing from you, Mike, that you're saying if you've caused the injury, you have got to be tough enough. You got a man up and you got to hear what you've done. And she needs to use her voice to tell you, and you got to sit through it. So let me just ask you even more. What happened in you during those raw, authentic, honest, very necessary conversations with your daughter?
1: Well, looking back now, I admit that although it was a painful process, it was a great drill for me to listen to my daughter without rebuttal and to let her know her feelings were valid. I had to learn to be completely vulnerable without giving her reasons uh, for why it happened and let her tell me what it did to her without being defensive. And, And when I discovered that I began to let my guard down, I became less concerned about protecting myself and more concerned that she received everything I could possibly give her in the healing process.
0: Mm, That is so good. It's like, in a way, your daughter called you to a higher level of quality relationship.
1: Without a doubt. And- and I wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of saying, no excuses. I'm going to do whatever I can to help heal this relationship.
0: Come on now. Go, dad. (laughs) Okay, keep going. What happened, again, in you through this process? More.
1: So so as she was giving it to me, I mean, there's just this raw, emotional, critical place of hers. Mm -hmm. I I remember one of the outcomes from a session um, that was really uh, the ability to become real. I never had shown that as a child, so this was new ground for me. Historically, I'd been very uncomfortable being vulnerable and letting someone in, even, even though they're safe. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that there couldn't be any conditions um, doing everything in my power to get her completely back. She would have seen right through it anyway.
0: <laughs> That's true. Your daughter would see right through it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have faked it if I wanted. Um, so while the topic of honest dialogue with my daughter um, was at the forefront. I saw a lot of parents whose daughters were at the same boarding school as mine who were more worried about being their child's friend and not their parent. And if you hear anything today, guys, that are listening to this, I hope you can get rid of the expect that expectation. For me, once I got rid of feeling like I had to say the perfect thing and or, or not hurt her feelings when I started making real progress, sometimes you need to meet her where she is. Sometimes you have to be challenged by her. And and sometimes you need to just be quiet and listen. Um, But I can promise you that if you're more worried about how the message or wording will be conveyed, um, you got to get rid of that and step up your game. And I felt that's where some progress was made when I was worried less about the outcome and more about I'm going for it, regardless of what happens. I can't let what I think might happen determine if I'm going to give it my all. It wouldn't be good.
0: So good. Okay, well, let's fast forward to today. Your daughter's now 21 years old. She's doing awesome. So fill us in on what's happened in the last five years that's brought you to where you are today.
1: Well, after years of incredibly hard work by both my wife and I, along with our daughter, um, I'm beyond thrilled to say that uh, we came out of the other end stronger than ever as a family. Um, as I tie this all to the experience all together, I, I really think back to the day I referred to where I was looking at the school pictures in my bonus room wall something came over me as I looked at my daughter's sweet face and I just started weeping about what our family had experienced. I had grabbed my cell phone and I called her and I, I just wanted to talk to her and, and I could barely speak as I was just kind of, uh, Undone. losing it. Yeah. yeah. And she could sense it when I, when I called her and, and, um, she said, dad, what, what's going on? Uh, what, what, <laughs> how are you? You, you sound like, um, like you're struggling with something. And, and uh, I just said to her, I just said, you know what? I just wanted to apologize again for the heartache that I caused you over the years. Um, and in her soft graciousness, she said, "Dad, you've apologized enough. I've already forgiven you. I love you, and and our relationship today is amazing. And and I can honestly honestly say that was a, there was a day where I never thought I would hear those words again. Mm. Um, but it was uh, it was a short and sweet, but Awesome um, conversation I had with her then.
0: So, Mike, I end every show with a go step where I would love to just even now ask you if you could talk to a dad sitting right across from you who's listening now. Or if you could even talk to the younger Mike from, you know, seven, eight years ago and tell him what he could have done different to avoid falling into the trap of having an affair without any thought of cost to his daughter or his marriage. What would you tell that guy or what would you tell the younger Mike?
1: Two things come to mind. One would be don't justify your behavior. That's too easy. I Identify why that's your go-to. Do the work to attack that. For me, and through the years of counseling and understanding what my go-to was, either to protect myself or self-preservation, I've really been able to kind of quit carrying that burden and those traits that I learned when I was younger and do some things to where I don't have to be afraid of that or use that as my as my bar really mm. and, and and not have an excuse to do that.
0: Okay, so number one, don't justify your behavior. Number two, you Num- said you had two things.
1: That's right. Number two, I would say if you're if you want a more fulfilling relationship at home, you have to do the work. And it probably will come with some very hard conversations. But what I have learned through this is that the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And Oh say I, that again. The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And when I started watering internally and in my relationship at home, that's where I was finding more satisfaction and worrying less about what I didn't have.
0: And then if I can bring this full circle, it sounds like what you're describing with your daughter, where she's like, dad, you've apologized enough, is that your daughter did see you through a different lens. Maybe you fell from grace at one point and weren't the hero anymore is how you described it. But I imagine if we talked to your daughter now, she would say, my dad's my hero.
1: You know, I, I would bet that she would. And um, I think with the work that we did and, and uh, her knowing my sincerity and not just doing it to say the right thing or try to act like I'm doing the right thing, yeah. um, it made all the difference in the world because she would see through all of it. And I don't want to say the everything we went through. Um, I'm glad that we did. Um, but the relationship we had, um, <laughs> I, I wish that I wouldn't have done all that, and we could be in a spot today where um, uh, there wasn't a reason why we're stronger other than um, I loved her the same way from the beginning and uh, treated her the same way. But it was a journey, and uh, we came out on the other end.
0: And God is restoring the years the locusts have eaten, that's for sure. Well, today on your mark has been how one dad made things right with his daughter after an affair. You've heard my friend Mike share his honest story about what that looks like in his life and with his daughter. So, between today and next week, I encourage you to take Mike's challenge to really come to a point where you don't justify your behavior and that you really water the grass of the relationship with your daughter right in front of you. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have free resources and you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad-Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad. Here's what I really need from you, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart, which is also available on Audible. Well, this wraps up another week's program. It's been fun to be with all of you. And I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisper, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you are intentionally and consistently investing in pursuing your daughter's hearts. Go dads.